right, so we're going to dive into uh, this thought right here. For God's eyes only. For God's eyes only. Uh, and the whole premise is going to be there's so many seasons and moments, days, hours, where uh, it's incredibly difficult, burdensome, and nobody has any idea how intense our lives can be sometimes, how intense the marriage is, how intense the finances are, um, how intense these moments are. And, and so the whole premise for today is, I know that everyone around you may not notice how intense your life is sometimes, but God doesn't miss a detail. That's going to be the whole premise today. So the title is, For God's Eyes Only. From the moment that Adam and Eve walked in the garden, um, to all the way for 2,000, let me say exactly the year, 2,934 years later, 2,934, 2,934 years went by where there was no church on planet earth. There was no church. God had people, but he had no building. There's no building. During the finest years, there was a tent that people went into, and they called it the tabernacle, but there was never a building. Finally, there was uh, a king, the third king of Israel. His name was Solomon. He said, you know what? Here I am living in a palace. I'm going to build a church, a palace, a temple for God. And he built one of the most grand, most beautiful structures that was ever on this planet. Let's turn the lights down and take a look at the screens. So King Solomon, and he say that he was the richest person to ever walk on the earth. There was gold, walls were gold, floors were gold, there was gold everywhere. And what he did is he enlisted the best craftsmen that he could find to be able to build this building. Gave him an unlimited amount of money, an unlimited budget, unlimited gold, unlimited silver. Let's build the best, the greatest structure we can possibly build. So he enlisted this one guy. You can read about it when you get home. It's in Kings chapter 7. And there was a guy named Huram. Huram. And he was a craftsman, particularly with stone. 
And he built these columns on Solomon's temple. He built these columns, and let me get it exactly right. He built these columns that were 27 feet high. 27 feet high. And on top of each pillar, there was a capital that was seven and a half feet high. So between the pillar and the capital that sat on top of it, it was 34 and a half feet high. Just the column, now watch this, in circumference it was 20 feet. It was massive. But this is the part that blows my mind. Now keep in mind, from the carpet to the top of the floor is 40 feet. So just under that ceiling, about five and a half feet or so, six feet, right in there is the top of this column. It's massive. Now, this is what this guy did. All the way around the column, he gets a chisel, and he chisels out 200 pomegranates all the way around. And then he does the same exact thing. He starts chiseling, and right around it, right beneath it, he begins to chisel out water lilies. Now, if we had a column all the way up to the ceiling, and you came walking into this room that isn't even a fraction, not even a fraction as nice as Solomon's temple. But if we had a column, would you come walking in here and go, The screen is cool. The lights are cool. The singing was amazing. But those water lilies. Would you go, did you see the pomegranates? No! You wouldn't look up there and go, my goodness. You wouldn't even, watch this. You wouldn't even notice them. So the question is, is why in the world Would this guy go through so much detail if people can't even see it? I'm so glad you asked. So glad you asked. Because he had the revelation. It was real to him. It wasn't just head knowledge. It was real. He knew that there were certain things about his life and the things that he did that people were never going to notice, but God notices everything. And so he was going to do something just for the Lord, even though nobody else was going to see it. It was just for God's eyes only. I want you to know that you have done this many times. Nobody saw your finest hour. No one saw your finest moment. Nobody sees when you've chosen to be patient. God saw it. Have you ever walked out of the mall and you decide, or the movies, you go to the movie theater, you walk out of the movies, and, and you're walking out, you push the door, and you hold the door, and you're like, oh, I got it, hold on, hold on, and then you hold it, so that, that one person can get out. And then all of a sudden, 79 come through? Say, I. You're standing there at the door, and they're like, boom, boom, and you're like, And your friend or your husband, your wife, your friend, whoever, they're standing over there and you're like, hey, I'll be all you hold on, dude. I'm just gonna hold the door for all these people that aren't saying thank you. 
And you kind of want to go, you're welcome, you're welcome, you're welcome, you're welcome, you're welcome, you're welcome, you're welcome. And you're like, okay, and, and now I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to have a good attitude about it. I'm good, I'm okay, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. All these moments. God sees all these moments. How did Huron ever get that revelation? God may have shared it to him personally. Boom, just just like he's done with you many times. You just have this thought. You have this moment, this feeling where God just downloads it into your heart. He's done that with you, I'm sure. But what I believe, and I don't know for sure, but what I believe is, is that maybe he read Solomon's father's writings. Solomon's father was King David. And he wrote, he journaled a lot. And one time he sat down and he had a revelation about how much God notices about you and I. And he wrote it down. He wrote it in the first person, but it was for all of us. It was a revelatory moment. He wrote it down, and I want to read it to you. It's in Psalms chapter 139. It says this, O Lord, you have examined my heart, and you know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You don't have to raise your hand on this, but have you ever allowed your relationship with the Lord to kind of drift? A little bit of distance. You haven't talked to him in a long time. Um, maybe you've come to church. Maybe you haven't. But the, the relationship just feels distant. This is what he says about those moments. He says, you know when I sit down. You know when I stand up. You know my thoughts. Even when I'm a far away. When I'm not thinking about you, you're still thinking about me. Verse 4. You know... What I am going to say even before I say it, Lord, you go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to the heaven, you're there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride on the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night. But even in the darkness, I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. Do you know if I'm looking at you right now, I can see you clearly. But if they turn the lights off, I can't see you at all. You know what this scripture says? He loves you so much that when the lights go off, he can see you just as clearly as when the lights are on. When you're laying in your bed at night, the lights are off. And the fan is spinning. How many of you love to sleep with the fan on? Raise your hand. Yes. How many of you can't sleep if the fan isn't on? How many of you have to have a fan even if you can't feel it? Oh, yeah. When the, light is, when the lights are off, he doesn't let the darkness keep him from staring right at you. He sees the cadence of your heart. Watch this. 
in verse 14. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Allie, remind me to go back to the heart in case I forget it. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion. As I was woven together in the dark of the womb. He watched you be formed in your mother's womb. Watch this. Verse 16. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out. Before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. When I wake up, you are still with me. Raise your hand if you've ever been to Cancun. Raise your hand, raise your hand, raise your hand. There you go. Raise your hand. Raise your hand if you've ever been to Cozumel. Raise your hand if you've ever been to Cozumel. What's another beach? Raise your hand if you've ever been to Miami Beach. Go ahead, raise your hand. What about a beach in, 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 uh, in California? Raise your hand. Let me see you. What, what about Galveston Beach? No, that's not a beach. You, you put your feet in the sand. You put your feet in the sand. And the first thought you think is, why isn't this in Galveston? But you put your feet in the sand. All those millions and billions and quazillions little grains of sand that are going through your toes that need to be cut. You need. You forgot you were going to be in public, so you didn't cut your toenails, guys. And, and you're standing there. All those grains, if you were to add them all up, they still don't equal the number of thoughts, thoughts that God has towards you. Everybody put your hand on your heart. Everybody put your hand on your heart. And I want you to concentrate until you can feel it beating. Okay? Say I when you found it. Come on, let me hear you. I know everybody's not saying I because you're like, it used to be here. <laughs> used to be in this general area. I think it's like in here right now. <laughs> Keep your hand on that heart. Feel it beating? Do you know that God loves you so much? Keep your hand on your heart that He gave you that heart. It beats even when you're not paying attention to it. Do you know that He gave you that heart before He gave you your brain? Mothers in this room, when you saw the ultrasound of your baby, what did you see first? So that little flickering heart, didn't you? That heart does not need the brain to beat. It's got its own nervous system. That heart is a spark from God's hand. Does it need anything else to beat? Does it need anything else to just boom, 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 boom? Do you know you cannot have cancer in your heart? You can't have cancer in your heart because that's a spark from God. Cancer can't touch a spark from God. You can have cancer in your brain. You can have cancer in your skin. You can have cancer in your bones. You can't have cancer in your heart. Nobody's ever met anybody that has cancer in your heart. You can't have cancer in your heart. If you take the heart out of a person and put it in a Petri bowl full of cancer, it kills 98% of the cancer outside the heart. That's God's spark. You can't touch God's spark. He loves you so much, He put a spark of Himself inside of you. Poof. Poof. If I were to stand right here with a basketball and throw it high in the air and it bounce and go bang, 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 bang. 
God goes, bang, it doesn't stop until he says so. That's his spark. He gave, that was his present to you. That's how much he loves you. That's how much he loves you. And, and he didn't create your brain first because your brain may have decided not to live. He loves you so much you didn't even get a vote. You're mine, baby. You're mine. I love you. You're mine. And he watched you form. Every moment of your life, he sees it. Every time you breathe, he gave you that breath. Everybody go, come on. If you don't do it, I'll bring you on the stage. So just do it. One, two, three, go. If you ever wonder if God is tired of you and he's through with you and he's fed up with you, just go like this. If you can do that, he's not through. Everybody say, that's good. That's good. That's good. He gave you a heart. Huron knew that he sees everything. And in God, if you can see everything, there's going to be moments in my day and there's going to be things that I do that are just for you. And I want to say this. Sometimes God will arrange a moment where it's just between you and him. He will send the biggest jerk in Texas right into your office. He will take the biggest jerk in the United States and move him right down the street from you. Raise your hand if that person lives down. No, I'm just kidding. He will send them right to you and he'll say, nobody is going to see your thoughts. Nobody is going to hear your thoughts. Nobody's going to see what you do except for me. This is just between you and I. But what I want you to do is give me something to smile about. It's only for his eyes only. You see, when God looks down at you and you decide, I'm not going to look at that, not because I don't want to, but because I want to please you. When you decide, I'm not going to look at it. Bang, he saw that. God, I'm not going to think that. He saw that. God, I'm not going to do that. He saw that. Oh, I want to do it. He sees the struggle. His eyes on. He sees the struggle. I want to tell him that they're an idiot, but I'm not going to. I'm going to be nice. He sees the struggle. He sees you saying to yourself, God, I don't pray that much, but what I'm going to try to do I'm going to try to pray a little bit longer, a little bit more often. He sees it. He sees it all. There's the two takeaways that I want to share with you. That number one, every private struggle will establish your eternal reward. Every single struggle. If you're a parent in this room... You're sending your children off to school this week and you're scared to death because if somebody picks on him, somebody is mean to him, is it okay if I step into your life for a minute? Somebody's mean to him, you can't do anything about it. He sees that struggle. Some of you, you have children that are adults. You've taken care of them for 20 years and now you can't do anything. He sees that struggle. He sees you staying committed to a marriage when the emotions aren't there anymore. He sees it. He sees it. And what God has started, God finishes. 
Only he has the ability to come and blow on an ember of love in your marriage that you think is out. Only he can do that. The love is in your heart and that spark he started. You say, it'd have to be a miracle. That's what he does. That's his business. He doesn't make sandwiches. He doesn't make snow cones. He does miracles. But some of us, you have burdens that nobody else has. You see, I'm, I'm 40 years old and I've got strong legs and a strong body. And there's some people in this room right now. You'll give all the money you have just to get rid of the pain. Just to get out of the wheelchair. God knows that my journey is easier than yours. He knows that. He sees the struggle that you have that I don't have. Mine's just easier. And you may think to yourself, I don't think anyone sees what I have to go through. Nobody's seeing it. You're 100% right and 100% wrong, both at the same time. Because nobody else, nobody does see it. But he sees it. Let me read a very important scripture to you. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 17, it says, From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. See, when you see Jesus and when you see Paul, you will see marks on their body where people whipped them and beat them for who they believed in. That is the marks that are on their body. But when they get to heaven, those marks are stripes of honor. And many of us in this room, you have marks, you have bruises of seasons and burdens that you carry. I just want you to know that when you get to heaven, that will be your stripes of honor. We will look at you in heaven and say, you had to do way more than I had to do. There will be a reward for you The Bible talks about it in Matthew chapter 6, that what you do in private, you will be rewarded for these private burdens. I went to Manhattan last year. I was in Times Square. And I saw these policemen standing there, and they all look the same until you walk right up on them. The policemen that served on 9-11, while everybody else was running away, They were running to the fire. They had a pin on their shirt. I can't explain what I felt. But when I was in their presence, there was an aura about them. There was a presence about them. There was something about them. It was just bigger than life. That while everybody else ran out, they ran in. Some of them had scars on their face. There was an aura about them. That they carried a burden that we did not carry. I want you to know that your, your stripes here, your stripes of pain here, are your stripes of honor there. When we see you and when we look at you in heaven, we will know you, you carried a different burden. God's eyes 
were the only ones that saw it. But now he's shouting it from the rooftops. That's the first takeaway. The second takeaway is this. Every time you pray, you receive two things. You receive mercy and you receive grace. There's sometimes I pray for people that are sick. They're instantly healed. There's other times I pray for people and nothing happens. There's sometimes I pray and I get a yes. There's other times I pray and I get a no. There's times that you've prayed and you've gotten a yes. And there's times that you've prayed and you've gotten a no. But there's something that we all get every single time we pray. It's actually two things. Number one, we get mercy. And number two, we get grace. Let me read it to you. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, let us then approach God's throne of grace. His actual throne is called grace. With confidence. So that we will receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Every single time you pray, you experience mercy. God gives you mercy for every single thing and every single thing that you and I have done wrong. We receive mercy every single time. And then we also receive grace because sometimes it's a yes and he takes the problem away. But on the moments where he doesn't take it away, he says, I'm going to give you a strength, a grace to bear. Have you ever looked at somebody that's got a heavy burden in their life and you look at them and you go, how are you doing this? Like you're going through hell sideways, but you're doing so good. Raise your hand if you've ever wanted to say that to somebody. Come on, raise your hand, raise your hand. Don't just look at me. Raise your hand. You're doing so good. How are you doing this? Nine times out of, out of ten, what do they say? I don't know. I don't know. Single moms. You ever look at a single mom? How are you raising these kids? I grew up in a blended family. How are you guys doing this I don't know you know why I don't know is the answer because it's so hard to put into words what God is doing in us he's given you a grace to be able to carry what other people can't carry And when they say to you, man, if I were in your position, I couldn't do as good as you're doing. You know what? They're exactly right. They couldn't because they don't have the grace that you have. Your backbone is not made of silicone. It's not made of paper. It's made of steel. You may think you're going to break, but you can't break. Your backbone is made of steel. Other people would have broke. Not you. How have you done this? How have you paid the bills with no money? For 20 years you haven't had any money and you still pay the bills and eat. In fact, you might need to go on a diet. You have no money, but you got all that you need. How is this happening? Every time you pray, you get mercy and you get strength. 
Sometimes he looks at us and says, I'm not going to heal you today. I'm going to heal you next month. But I'm going to give you grace for the next 30 days. Sometimes he'll say, I'm not going to heal you today. I'm not going to give you your job today. I'm not going to fix your marriage today. I'm not going to bring your son home today. I'm actually going to do that in a year from now. In the meantime, here's some grace. And other people look at you and they go, how are you doing that? I don't know. I just wake up in the morning. Come on, talk to me, single moms. I just wake up in the morning and I just put one foot in front of the other. I don't think about getting to next year. I just think about getting through the day. Somebody say, that's true. Thank you. About three people are with me on that one. Come on, give the Lord a standing ovation. He sees it all. He sees it all. He sees it all. And he gives you the mercy. He gives you the strength to get through it now. But when he sees you, oh my goodness, shut the front door. When we, when you stare, you thought I was going to slip, didn't you? When you stand up in heaven, oh, we're going to know who carried the burdens. We're going to know who had it a little bit easier. We're going to know who grew up on the other side of the tracks and it was just harder. See, some people are born on first base and some people are born on third base. Everybody's trying to get to home plate. And there are some kids that come out like the Hilton daughters. They're on third already. They put a little sucky in their mouth and it costs 20000 just for the sucky. Passy, whatever you guys call it. Everybody stand up before I dig a hole. Come on, let's get out of here. God is good. Everybody say, God is good. Come on, say, God is good. Absolutely. Come on, keep on clapping. God is good. He's good. If you're glad you came, say yes. If you love the Lord, say yes. Close your eyes and say it this time. If you're glad you came, say yes. See, you're louder when you close your eyes because you block everybody else out. Sometimes when you try to impress people, we don't know. It's funny, isn't it? you just raise both hands when you raise your hands it's a sign of surrender let's all say these simple words dear Jesus come on let me hear you dear Jesus I'm sorry for my sins I love you so much I believe in you I believe in miracles say I believe in miracles say it like you mean it I believe in miracles Jesus I love you sorry for my sins. You're my Lord and Savior. Leave your hands up, but say amen. Amen. I want the worship team to just close us out in a song. You can leave whenever you get ready. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May his face shine down upon you. May his countenance be lifted upon you and deliver you. May the grace and peace of God be with you all the days of your life. No official dismissal. You can leave whenever you get ready. Be blessed in the name of the Lord.